1: Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analyzing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. Today we're looking at chapter 17 of Twilight, titled The Game. Okay, so where we left off, Bella's been at Edward's house and he's just like, hey, do you like backstory? Here's some backstory. There was talk of some other vampire visitors coming into town, but Alice said, don't worry about that, I can see the future, be chill. But speaking of the future, the weather's going to be nice, so let's go play baseball. And Bella's like, you play baseball? And Edward says, yes, we play baseball. So now Edward's dropping Bella back home. They want to spend the next few hours together before playing baseball because Edward wants to meet Charlie. But as they pull up to Bella's house, they see Billy Black and Jacob Black waiting for them in the driveway. And Billy's face was impassive as stone, and Jacob was staring down, mortified. And Edward's got a low voice and he's like, this is crossing the line. And I don't know if it is crossing the line. These people know that you're vampires. You have a treaty to not harm humans. You spending so much time with a human, Edward, that might be a sign that you're about to break the treaty. So is it really that bad that he's going to give his best friend's daughter a heads up? I don't think it's crossing the line. I would love to to read up on this treaty to really get the nitty gritty and and determine the details, but oh well. And Edward's furious, but Bella's like, hey, let me deal with this. And Edward says, that's probably for the best, but be careful, the child has no idea. And Bella's like, child? She's like, Jacob's not that much younger than me. I'll have you know. And then Edward grins and he says, oh, I know. So he remembers that Bella's a child. He just doesn't care that Bella's a child. I tell you what. I mean, this is some Epstein level stuff right here. So Edward leaves, Bella had offered him her truck and he says, ah, oh, I could walk home faster than this truck moves. He's, he's just always bragging. And if he's not bragging, he's putting her down and sometimes he's doing both at the same moment. So Edward's like, I'll be back soon. And before he leaves, he leans in to swiftly kiss her just under the edge of her jaw. And her heart lurches frantically and then Billy's face is no longer impassive and he's like, oh shit. But maybe Billy's just weirded out by the fact that he's kissing the edge of her jaw. Like her lips are right there, mate. Just angle your neck a bit and aim for the lips. Why is he kissing her jaw? Like that's not a thing. You only would ever kiss someone's jaw if you misjudge the lean-in for the kiss, like, at the end of the night after a date in the car, and you're like, oh, 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 and, like, you bump noses and stuff. That's the only excuse for kissing a jaw. No no one's out here kissing jaws for pleasure. I mean, maybe, maybe they are. Send me an email, Breakingdownpot at and let me know if you're a jaw kisser. Bella runs over. She's all fluttering after the jaw kiss, and she's like, hey, Billy, hey, Jacob. And she's like, Charlie's gone for the day. Hope you weren't waiting here long. And Billy's like, no, not long. I just wanted to bring this. And there's like a brown paper sack in his lap. And she says, thanks. Why don't you come in for a minute and dry off? Which is very nice. She should have just been like, thanks, bye. (laughs) But now she invites him in. And Billy's like, you'll want to put it in the fridge. It's some of Harry Clearwater's homemade fish fry. I don't know what a fish fry is. This is just too hetero for me to understand what a fish fry is, but I I don't know, maybe it's batter. Mm, I don't know. And she's like, great, he's out fishing now. And Billy's like, oh, is he? I might go down to the usual spot and run into him. And she's like, no, no, lying again, because she's the best liar in this fucking book. She's just always lying, no matter how much she says she hates lying. And I just, I hate that she made a big deal in the hospital about how she doesn't like lying, because now every time she lies, it irks me. And I know I should just let it go. I need to just let it go, but it irks me. And she's like, yeah, nah, Charlie's, Charlie's fishing somewhere else. Don't know where he's fishing. And then Billy's like, "Uh, I see what you're doing. And he says, Jake, why don't you go get the new picture of Rebecca out of the car? I'll leave that for Charlie too. And Jacob says, oh, where is it? And he says, I think it's in the trunk. You might have to dig for it. So that's him trying to get Jacob out of the room so they can talk. But who's Rebecca? Why does Charlie want a picture of this Rebecca? This is is confusing to me because it's not explained. Like it it may be one of Billy's daughters, but why would Charlie want a photo of her? Who's this Rebecca Black? (laughs) And if it is Rebecca Black, is it the same girl that sang that Friday song? (laughs) It's Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. Oh my God. If Rebecca Black from Singing Friday was Jacob's sister, that's just amazing to me. In my head, that's the Rebecca they're referring to. But no, why does Charlie want a picture of this Rebecca person? Like, is she some sort of famous person and it's a signed (laughs) headshot? If I ever get to interview Stephanie Meyer, just like, send her an email and be like, hey, do you want to come onto my podcast to discuss the show? And just like, I don't tell her the title of the podcast. And, and she's like, okay, well, what do you want to know? I'd say, who the fuck's Rebecca Black, mate? And if she is, as I suspect, like Billy's kid, why is, he, why is he leaving Charlie photos of her? I mean, these are the mysteries that we're left to ponder. And who, oh boy, I, oh. I'm perplexed, perplexed. So then they have a few awkward moments of silence. And then Bella's like, look, Charlie's not going to be back for a while. And he's like, "Mm mm-hmm. And she's like, thanks again for the fish fry. Like, get the hint, mate. It's time for you to leave. And then he's like, Bella. And then he stops talking. And she's like, okay, get to it, mate. And he's like, Bella, Charlie's one of my best friends. And she's like, "Mm mm-hmm. And she's like, I noticed you've been spending some time with the Cullens. And she goes, yes. (laughs) She's just a real bitch to him. And he says, maybe it's none of my business, but I don't think that's a good idea. And she says, you know what? It is none of your business. <gasps> Clap back. And Bellin narrates that he raised his graying eyebrows at her tone. <laughs> so he's got graying eyebrows. These are the things we need to know. I know the color of Billy Black's eyebrows, but I don't know who the fuck Rebecca is and why, why Charlie would ever want a photo of her. There's just a wide chasm between the things we know and the things we're left to speculate about. And he's like, well, actually the Cullen family has a bit of an unpleasant reputation on the reservation. And she's like, yeah, I know all of that. But it can't be a deserved reputation because the Cullens never set foot there, do they? So she's like hinting at her knowledge of the treaty. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, I guess you seem pretty well informed. And she's like, yeah, I might be more well informed about the Cullens than you are. But, and he's like, Hmm, maybe, but is Charlie as well-informed? And she's like, oh, Charlie likes the Cullens. Billy's like, well, it's not my business, but it might be Charlie's business. And then Bella says, though it would be my business again, whether or not I think it's Charlie's business, right? And I think Bella's getting tripped up in the whole whose business, whose line is it anyway type of logic there, because I don't know what she's talking about. And Billy's sort of, he's like, I'll let you have this. And he's like, yeah, I guess it's your business too just think about what you're doing, Bella. And she's like, yep, sure. And he's like, but what I mean by that is don't do what you're doing. Like, hello. And she looks into his eyes and doesn't say a thing. This is all very frustrating to me because Billy's doing the right thing, right? Like, if he knows that his best friend's daughter's hanging out with a vampire, like it's sort of on him to, to bring it up. And Bella's getting super defensive and I'm like, he has a point, Bella. You're dating someone who's dead. But if Billy Black can't talk sense into her, like, who can? Who can? And by this point, Jacob comes back and he's like, there's no photo in the trunk. And Billy's like, huh, must've left it at home. And I'm like, left what at home? Who's Rebecca? And Billy's like, take care. And she just doesn't say anything. She's like, yeah, bye, bitch. She's just not feeling the Billy Black. And then she says, after they left, she stood there waiting for the irritation and anxiety to subdue. And she says, when the tension eventually faded a bit, I headed upstairs to change out of my dressy clothes. (laughs) And I'll remind you, her dressy clothes are just a khaki skirt and a blue blouse. (laughs) She tries on a few different tops and eventually throws on an old flannel shirt and jeans. (laughs) So definitely less dressy than the khaki skirt, I'll give it that. And then the phone rings and she's like, oh my God, it's gonna be Edward, I love Edward. And then it's Jessica and Bella's like, oh, I forgot all about Jessica. (laughs) And Jess just gives her the update on how the dance went last night. And Bella's like, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, uh-huh, ooh, wow. And she says that Mike kissed her, so cool. I wonder if he kissed her on the lips or on the edge of her jaw. Hmm. And then Jess asks her about Edward, but before Bella can really get into it, Charlie comes home, so they're like, bye. And she's like, oh, hey, Dad, Billy dropped off some of Harry Clearwater's fish fry this afternoon, and he's like, oh, that's my favorite. Tell me what it is. What's a fish fry? So then Bella cooks him dinner, presumably with the fish fry. And then while they're eating dinner, Charlie's like, hey, what'd you get up to today? And she says, well, actually, I spent the morning with the Cullens. And then Charlie drops his fork. (laughs) This is a cartoon. We're we're reading a cartoon here. (laughs) He drops his fork. Like, is it that shocking? Oh, I guess it is that shocking. Since Bella hasn't really shared any of her life with him lately, she just bullshits him. She's never mentioned Edward. And she's like, yeah, I kind of have a date with Edward Cullen tonight. And then it appears that Charlie was having an aneurysm. So she says, daddy, all right. And he says, you were going out with Edward Cullen. He thundered. So it's like, you are going out with Edward Cullen. (laughs) Thundered like he's a giant or something. And Bella narrates, "Uh uh-oh. She doesn't say it. She thinks it, Uh (laughs) uh-oh. And she says, I thought you liked the Cullens. And she says, he's too old for you. And I'm doing a little Jim Halpert look into the microphone now, like, "Mm, if only you knew. And then they chat a bit more. And Charlie calls him Edwin instead of Edward, which is a bit funny. And he says, when's he coming over? And she says, he'll be here in a few minutes. And then he asks, where is he taking you? And she groans. And she says, I hope you're getting the Spanish Inquisition out of your system now. That's far too much chewed. Not only has he got someone coming over to his house with a few minutes notice, like I'd be annoyed by that. It's also someone that's dating his daughter and he's never heard about him before. So lay off. Charlie has a point. He he should be a bit angry about this. Like I would not want some random teenager from Forks just rocking up to my kitchen at a couple minutes notice. And like they were sitting there eating dinner in silence for a fair while, like, She could have given him more of a heads up. What if he wanted to clean up? No one likes having visitors when they haven't done a little spruce. Like, he he probably wanted to faff about and, like, you know, sweep or something. Maybe light a candle in the bathroom. Like, give him the opportunity to spruce up before guests come. God, she's rude. And then Edward rocks up and Charlie gets his name right. And he's like, come on in, Edward. And he says, thanks, Chief Swan. Like, acting all respectful. And it's like, you've already been breaking into this guy's house for months, Edward. Like, don't all act like you're standing at the front waiting for an invite in. You're a creeper. So then Charlie takes his jacket and says, hey, have a seat over there, Edward. And then Bella grimaces because Edward sits down fluidly in the only chair, forcing her to sit next to Chief Swan on the sofa. So she quickly shoots Edward a dirty look and he winks behind Charlie's back. So why is she so pissed off at Edward now for sitting in the chair that her dad told her to sit in? Like, why is it also such a big fucking deal that she's sitting next to her dad on the sofa? And also, why is she calling him Chief Swan in her head now? I just don't know why she's shooting him a dirty look. Like, usually I think Edward's a bit of a creepy prick, But in this instance, he's done nothing wrong and she's shooting him a dirty look and she's pissed off at her dad and she's always pissed off at people for acting normally. I just uh, said it before and I'll say it again. I can't with this bitch. I just can't. I can't. And then they joke about the fact that they're going to go watch baseball and Bella doesn't really like baseball and they laugh at her expense. (laughs) So Bella's like, all right, let's go. And so Charlie's like, yeah, don't be too late. And he's like, oh, I promise to have her home early. I'll keep her safe. And I was like, mm, I don't know. Will you keep her safe? And apparently Edwards brought with him a monster Jeep with tires higher than Bella's waist, which sounds like a monster truck. That's huge.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
1: And so Edward has to help her get in because she can't jump up to the seat. (laughs) And then she struggles with a seatbelt because there's too many buckles and apparently it's an off-road harness. And she can't figure out how the buckles works. <laughs> so he needs to put the buckles on her. <laughs> and they drive off and she's like, this is a big Jeep. And he says, yep, it's Emmett's. And, and then they talk about that and how they're gonna drive half the way there, then they have to run. And then she starts worrying about how they'll have to run because she got sick last time when he carried her on her back while he was running. Heaps of dialogue we're pushing through here. It's not that interesting but she does bite her lip in the middle of all that. So if you're still playing the drinking game, take a drink. And then he kisses the top of her head and he says, you smell so good in the rain. And she says, in a good way or in a bad way? And he says, both, always both. And again, Edward, if you don't want to smell her, just stop breathing. And then mercifully, the road got too bumpy so they couldn't have a conversation because she was bouncing up up and down in the chair like a jackhammer. (laughs) Which is a very fun image to picture. And then they get to where they have to go on foot from. Bella's like, oh, I don't really like it because I got sick last time. And he's like pressuring her into it. And he's like, come on, you'll be fine. You'll like it, like that kind of thing. And she's like, nah, nah, I don't want to. You go ahead without me. And then he pulls her from the Jeep, puts her feet on the ground, and then he places his hands against the Jeep on either side of her head and leans forward And then he leans his face close towards hers and she has no room for escape, which I'm guessing is meant to be romantic, but it seems coercive. And he's like, now, what were you thinking about? And she's like, I'm worried about hitting a tree and stuff. And he's like, oh really? And then he kisses the hollow at the base of her throat. He loves kissing everything but the lips. And he's like, are you still worried? And she's like, yeah, I I still don't want to hit trees and get motion sickness. And he's like, mmm. And so then he draws his nose in a line up from the skin of her throat to the point of her chin (laughs) with his nose. I don't know what Stephanie Meyer is doing in bed, but this is, this is both kinky and also vanilla at the same time somehow. And he's like, still worried. And she's like, yes, I'm still worried about hitting trees. And then he kisses her eyelids again what is going on? And he's like, I wouldn't let a tree hurt you. And then his lips barely brush against her trembling lower lip. And she's like, no. And then his lips brush up against hers again. And he's like, there's nothing to be afraid of, is there? And she says, oh no. And she sighs giving up. (laughs) So he's always talking her into things that she doesn't want to do. And if that doesn't strike you as unsettling without me having to explain it, then. Then maybe this isn't the podcast for you. Maybe you genuinely like the books because that's fucked. And then after she gives up, he grabs her by the face and then gives her a proper kiss, which I'm thankful for because the eyelid foreplay was getting to be a bit much. But then she narrates, there really was no excuse for my behaviour. Obviously I knew better by now, and yet I couldn't seem to stop from reacting exactly as I had the first time. So her big crime basically is just that she moved her arms around his neck and kissed back. She sighed and parted her lips and put her arms around him. That's all she did. And then he staggers back and he says, damn it, Bella, you'll be the death of me. And she's like, you're indestructible. And he says, I might've been before I met you. Now let's get out of here before I do something stupid. And he's growling and like snapping at her. And like, mate, why are you always lashing out at her when she just kisses you back? Like, don't kiss someone if you don't want to be kissed back. Like, maybe he should be dating one of those life-size pillows, like those body pillows that you can get in Japan, because that might be safer for him if he doesn't want to date someone who will kiss him back, and then get super angry and moody over it. So he whips her around onto her back, and he says, close your eyes, bitch, and then he runs through the forest. And I think because she kept her eyes shut this time, she handles it a bit better. But as she's getting off of his back, she, <laughs> she hits the ground and <laughs> on her, she falls on her ass, basically. <laughs> Edward finds that hilarious. He roars with laughter. And then she gets up and brushes the mud off of her butt. And that makes him laugh even harder. And then she's annoyed and she storms off into the forest. And he's like, hey, wait, where are you going? She's like, to watch a baseball game, you jerk. And he's like, well, you're going the wrong way. So she just turns around in the opposite direction and starts bolting that way. And he's like, God, why are you so mad at me? Just because I laughed at you when you fell into the mud. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty legitimate. Like I laughed, but I'm also not dating her. Like you shouldn't laugh in your girlfriend's face when she falls in the mud. Maybe help her up. He could have helped her up, which he did not do. He's meant to be the most romantic literary figure for the centuries. People froth over this kid and he's not even picking her up out of the mud. He's a piece of shit. And Bella's given it a bit back to him and she's like, oh, so you're the only one who can get mad, hey? And he says, "Ah, oh, I wasn't mad at you. I was just being mad at the situation. I was being mad at myself earlier. He's like, I could never be angry with you. You're so beautiful. I'm more angry at myself and how I keep putting you in danger. And he says, sometimes I truly hate myself. I should be stronger. I should be able to. And then she puts her hand over his mouth and says, don't. <laughs> so... Again, she's got to comfort him. Whenever she expresses an emotion, he spins it around to make her feel bad for him. He's a piece of shit. And then he says, I love you. And she's like, oh wow, that's the first time you said that. And I didn't realize that he hadn't said it before, but thinking back, yeah, the other chapter when Bella's like, I love you, he said, you're the world to me, <laughs> which again, is pretty rough to hear when you say I love you to someone. Like, it's a nice thing. You're the world to me. Great what a beautiful feeling. But when you say the L word, you kind of want them to say it to you back. So (laughs) don't know why he put it off. Again, he's a piece of shit. That's what it comes down to. And then he says, now please try to behave yourself. And then he kisses her lips. So everything you just said about being angry at yourself is bullshit. If you're telling her to behave yourself while you kiss her, he just doesn't want her to kiss back. He wants to date a Japanese body pillow. That's all I can understand from that. God, this is a long chapter. So he then leads her to an enormous open field at the top of the Olympic peaks. And the field is twice the size of any baseball stadium. So that's a big field. And all the other Cullens are there just sitting, chilling out, waiting for them to arrive. So then Alice comes over and she says, it's time... And then just after she says that, a deep rumble of thunder shook the forest. And I think we're meant to be impressed that she predicted the future that thunder would rumble at that moment. But maybe she just looked up in the sky and saw lightning and just thought thunder's gonna happen soon because that's what happens. Thunder follows lightning. And so maybe she didn't predict it. Maybe she just opened her eyes and saw some lightning. But we're giving her too much credit. As I've said before, I would put no stock in Alice's fortune telling. She's about as good as a fortune cookie. So then the Cullens spread out to go play baseball and Esme sort of hangs back to chill out with Bella because she's refereeing. And then there's like a weird little segue into talking about motherhood and Esme's like, well, I do see them as my children in most ways. I never could get over my mothering instincts. And she says, did Edward tell you I lost a child? And she says, no. And she says, yes, he was my first and only baby. He died just a few days after he was born. And it broke her heart and that's why she jumped off of the cliff. And she's like, oh, Edward said you fell. And she's like, yeah, he was being a gentleman by saying that. And Esme says that Edward was the first of her new sons and that she's really happy that he's found Bella. And Bella's like, well, you don't mind that I'm all wrong for him? And she's like, nah, nah, you're what he wants. And I was like, okay, the woman just said how she lost a child and then threw herself off the cliff. And you're just immediately bringing it back to yourself. Bella is so self-centered. And then they play baseball, and basically it's just further away and faster, and they hit balls harder. That's the vampire baseball. And the fact that they have to wait for the thunder is because when they hit the ball really hard, it's like a big thunder crack. Having never studied physics, I might just let that slide. Sure, sure that could be possible. A part of me might suspect that the, the baseball would splinter in a million pieces if they did hit it that hard enough to make a thunder clap. Maybe they're using a reinforced baseball. Maybe the bat might break as well, but maybe they're using steel bats. I think this scene was better in the movie than it is in the book. Because seen through Bella's eyes, she's like, oh, wow, he just hit a home run. (laughs) Like, she's not that bothered. Because she doesn't really care about sport, which is a mood. She does describe the game a bit more. And like, you know, they make loud noises. They're fast. They're pretty. It's all the same. But then... Alice suddenly gasps and she looks to Edward and then Edward snaps his head up and Bella can tell that they're having a little bit of mental communication and then Edward's suddenly at her side before anyone could even ask Alice what was wrong. And Alice is like, oh, whoopsie, I didn't see, oh, I couldn't tell, I read it all wrong. And they're like, what's going on? Spit it out, bitch. And then she's like, they were traveling much quicker than I thought they heard us playing and it changed their path. And then every single one of the vampires flashed their eyes towards Bella and then flash away. And Bella noticed all seven pairs of eyes looking at her apparently. She she doesn't miss a trick. She doesn't miss a bloody beat when it comes to other people's facial expressions. And Alice is like, yeah, they're gonna be here in five minutes, they're running, they wanna play. And Carlyle says to Edward, can you make it? And he says, no, not carrying meaning, Bella. And he says, besides, the last thing we need is for them to catch the scent and start hunting, which is some alarming words to say in front of your human girlfriend. And also, Esme had just told us two pages earlier that Edward was the fastest runner of the group. And he has 10 pages earlier, demonstrated how quickly he can run with a bitch on his back. So don't know why he can't run with her on his back now. And then Alice says three of them are on their way. And Emmett's like, three, I can handle three. And Bella narrates, for a split second that seemed much longer than it really was, Carlyle deliberated. <laughs> she, loves, she loves to extend the length of a moment or a second, but also make it really short. <laughs> a second is never just a second in these books. Like, how can it also be a split second that felt long? If it felt long, it's not a split second. Carlisle says, let's just finish the game. They're probably just curious. Which is a dumb fucking move on Carlisle's behalf. Old mate's been alive for centuries and this is the plan he comes up with. Let's just keep playing the game and hopefully they ignore us. (laughs) Surely he'd know better than that. And also, why is no one pissed off at Alice for not seeing this? Like earlier that morning, she's like, oh, I see some visitors coming. And then she also has the vision of the weather and them playing baseball but she never, she never put those two visions together. As useless as a fortune cookie, I'm sorry. And then Bella sees Esme ask something of Edward with a silent vibration of her lips and then he shakes his head <laughs> and she looks relieved. Bella doesn't miss a trick. Old mate's slightly mumbling their lips and she's like, she's asking Edward something. I like, get this girl onto the FBI put her in an interrogation room with a suspect, and she'll have everything pegged. <laughs> she should be out there catching terrorists with these skills. So the others run off to go and pretend to play baseball, and Edward says to her, take your hair down. So she lets her hair down, which is somehow meant to help her. I thought her hair smelled nice, and that was part of the problem, but I think Edward's thinking, oh, if her hair's down, they won't smell her neck. Maybe that, like, blood courses throughout the whole body. So I don't know what her hair is magically going to do. And even Alice is like, you know what? That's not going to help. I can smell it from across the field. And Bella says to Edward, what did Esme ask you? And he's like, oh God, you don't miss a thing. And he says, whether they were thirsty. Oh, bum, bum, bum. And then the seconds ticked by, not sure if they were split seconds or long seconds. She just says seconds. And Edward says to her, I'm sorry, Bella. It was stupid, irresponsible to expose you like this. I'm so sorry. Like, who could have seen this coming? Who could have possibly seen this co- Oh, Alice could have, and didn't, because she's useless. And then she hears Edward's breath stop, and his eyes zeroed in on right field. And he took a step, angling himself between her and what was coming. And then Carlisle, Emmett, and the others also turn around in the same direction, hearing sounds of passage much too faint for her ears. <gasps> and that's the end of the chapter. Ooh, cliffhanger. We've got, some, we've got some exciting things happening finally. Like the start of the chapter with old mate Billy Black was a bit poor. I was like, wow, if this is the conflict we've got in this book. That's pretty shit. But no, we've got the three naughty vampires. And we sort of already know how this is going to end because the prologue was her getting hunted and they've alluded to her being hunted by these visitors. So, ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. We're going to see her get hunted. Like, just thank God she's not at Trigg talking to Jessica about Mike Newton. <laughs> thank God. If we're going to read a vampire book, let's read about some fucking vampires. So I'm excited. The next chapter is called The Hunt. Yes. Yes, hunt that bitch down. If you have any burning thoughts about this chapter, please let me know. You can send me a tweet to PodBreakingDown on Twitter. Send me an email to breakingdownpod at gmail.com. And for this week, what I really want you to let me know is A. Has anyone ever kissed the bottom of your jaw or your eyelids? And B. How did it feel? Let me know. And then I'll see you next week. Bye.